Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, August 25th. We are here live. We're going to open phone lines right now. It is a free for all this first hour. So jump in and join us. 855-950-3835. Henry will be joining me in the second hour for trucking technology and efficiency. We haven't heard back from Joel yet. Uh, After that hour, we'll head over to Twitter for a total free-for-all space today over there. Anything goes. Uh, So a lot going on this morning. Jump in and join us. I have a couple things we could talk about while I'm waiting for some calls, but go ahead and line them up. 855-950-3835. I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the live show yesterday or if I saw this after, I think I talked about it on Spaces, maybe. Uh, and I'm seeing even more of this. Yesterday or the day before, sometime I know I talked about um, a couple of mask mandates that were coming back, a college and a Hollywood studio. Um, there's a Kentucky school district that has canceled classes and sent kids home. They're less than two weeks into the school year and they've canceled classes. They claim the attendance dropped 81% just nine days after the first day of school due to COVID, flu, and strep outbreaks. Interesting. I wonder why so many rampant infections so early in the season already. Could it be that people's immune systems have been compromised by something? What what could that be? And can we believe we're talking about sending kids home again? Did we not learn anything the first time? Or is this really not about health? Like we all know, it's about control. But boy, it seems to me like this is, this is pretty darn brazen. How are you going to uh, respond this time? I, I know I've made up my mind. There is zero compliance from me this time. Zero. I complied way too much last time, and that wasn't much. This time there will be no compliance. It's just not going to happen. And there seems to be a really strong movement towards that as well. So this time it could get really interesting. Uh, When I talked about that yesterday, somebody said they knew of a couple other uh, school districts that were going through the same thing already. So we will wait and see what happens with that. Um, One of the things I've been thinking about lately, I'm I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it today, but this, you know, this, uh, this idea I talk about that that a lot of owner-operators in this industry struggle simply because there's no focus on the customer. And the reason there isn't is because there doesn't have to be. And that is pretty unusual. There aren't a lot of businesses that you could get into that the work is just there waiting for you to go get it. I mean, really, we we have load boards with hundreds of thousands of loads. Now, you may not like the rates right now, but the work is there. You, You just go get it. You don't have to market your business. You don't have to make anybody aware that you exist and then convince them to use you. See, if this were like any other business, you would have to market to the brokers or the shippers 
And then you would have to sell to them. So sales and marketing, we always say sales and marketing. They're two different things, but they go hand in hand. Normally, marketing actually comes first. Marketing would be letting these potential customers, whether they were a shipper or a broker, letting those potential customers know we exist. And then we would have to sell them on the idea that they should use us for the business. Isn't that odd just saying it? But that's how every other business works. I don't get to I, I don't get to go to some electronic board somewhere and find, you know, thirty-seven different people that want to buy an X three bar and now all I have to do is negotiate a price. I, I that doesn't it doesn't work that way. I have to let people know that the store exists. And then this product exists. And then why should they buy that product? And then why should they buy that product from me? And then why should they continue to buy from me? I have to provide service. I have to serve those people. And that business is, is all about serving others. That, that's what business is. It is about serving others. And the quickest way, we've been talking about this idea of freight being a commodity, the quickest way to stay away from that mindset is to provide outstanding service. You know, I've been thinking more about the, the phrase that I stole from, from Larry Winget, discover your uniqueness and exploit it in the service of others, serving others. It's what this always comes back to. Discovering your uniqueness is what makes you not a commodity. Uniqueness is the polar opposite of a commodity. A commodity means everything is the same. You might have a hundred options on sugar, but they're all exactly the same. That's what a commodity is. Uniqueness is the polar opposite. So discover your uniqueness and exploit it in the service of others. But because we don't have to market to anybody, we don't have to sell to anybody, and we really don't need a lot of repeat business. There's so many different brokers and shippers and carriers that you could lease to, and, and there's so many potential customers and it seems like they always need trucks. You don't have to market or sell, and you don't have to really provide outstanding service. And, and you could still succeed. You could still stay in business. You could still pay the bills most years. But you've put yourself at a huge disadvantage. And I think that's why we hear all of this frustration when rates go down. And, and it's the attitude is as though they are entitled to a profit. I, in a debate recently, somebody actually made the statement and, and it was kind of said with this tone. Why should I have to cut my cost just to be able to pull freight at these rates? I, I can't even I, I mean, that hurts my brain. To hear it said like that. But what do you mean, why should you have to cut costs? Because that's how business works. 
you don't get to go buy the the biggest, fanciest, the most expensive truck that gets four and a half miles to the galley. You can go do that if you want, but you don't. You are not guaranteed a profit because you did that. In fact, you're almost guaranteed the opposite. You can make all the decisions you want. That's the beauty of being in business. But you damn well better be prepared to suffer the consequences of those decisions. You're not entitled to a profit. So when I hear these people look around, well, it's the broker's fault. The rates are too low. This is the problem. Well, I can't make any money with this. And well, why is fuel so high? And uh, on and on and on as though just because they're in business, they're entitled to a profit. That's, that's the attitude. And they never stop to think about who are they serving our, our whole life, really, our, our, our reason for being here is to serve others. You know, when, when people hear that, sometimes they, they immediately say, oh, well, you're just going to get taken advantage of if you do that. But I've never found that to be the case. You can't take advantage of me if I, I'm volunteering to do this. If I've agreed to serve, you can't take advantage of me. That doesn't even make sense. And, and let's think about this. If we all adopted the mindset that we are here to serve others, then think about how wonderfully we are all going to be served. If we did this, nobody would be taking advantage of anybody except the, you know, the evil people. And there's nothing we're ever going to do to stop them or change them. So why should we try so hard? Let's focus on the good stuff. Imagine if everybody had the attitude in their personal life and business, I'm really here to serve others. And it works really well because then everybody else is here to serve you. And we have lost that. We have totally lost that in this country. Customer service is just non-existent anymore. Just had an experience here in our own little town, in a little campground. Lisa needed to get away and... um, she needed some quiet space to get some work done. She's been working on some big projects and some other things we've got going on. So she just took their, her sprinter, went down to the campground here in town. Beautiful. It's right down on the water. And the camp host down there was one of the most obnoxious people I have ever seen. I, I wanted to look at her and say, I'm pretty sure that campgrounds fall under the hospitality industry. She was just awful. And you could tell by talking to her that every interaction with another human being with her is going to be like this. I can't imagine how miserable it must be. But we, we have forgotten that we're really here to serve others. And when we do, everything works better. Let's, uh, let's get to some phone calls. Let's go to Missouri to get started. Brett, welcome to the program. Morning, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Well... Well, your opener got me uh, one thing. Uh, can we say that entitlement is now the E word? Yeah. Yeah, we need something to, mm-hmm. to remind everybody that we are not entitled to anything other than what God and the Constitution supplies for us. That's it. Mm-hmm. After that, everything's up to yep. you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Anyway, Kevin, the thing I called in about, uh, this is actually my first time talking to you on this platform. Um, I basically just wanted to call in and say, when you were on Sirius, when the COVID first started, thank you for being the lone voice of sanity and reason. 
seems like everybody bought into all the hoopla, hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, you know, I, we talked about this a little bit on the space yesterday, and and I said I did too, and I even reminded everybody. So, you know, the story we, we can go back, and and I've been I've talked about this a little bit over the years. I've always been kind of fascinated and and worried about this idea of a virus, of a killer, deadly virus. We don't have anything to stop it, kind of stuff. Um, Ebola, Marburg, mm-hmm. um, those kind of things. If they ever mutate and they spread easy through the air, I mean, it could be disastrous. You know, some of those diseases mm-hmm. have a 90% death rate. We're just lucky mm-hmm. they don't spread easy, but that that could change. In fact, the prediction is we're not talking about if something like this ever happens. It will so I've been following this kind of stuff for almost two decades. And I have news aggregators that, you know, monitor news all around the world and anything about viruses. I get it sent to me. I've been doing that for years. And I remember coming on and talking about this weird virus over in China. Nobody was talking about it yet. The media hadn't picked up on it, but I was getting these early reports. And I remember the first time I got really worried. I came on the air and I said, I can't believe this, but China just locked down 11 million people. And I thought, this is bad. Something is really wrong. And then that's when it kind of hit the media. Everybody started talking about it. And I remember coming on the air and saying, I'm not going to the Louisville truck show. We had plans. It it, It was time to go and we needed to get on the road. And I said, you know what? I'm making a decision. We're just not going. We didn't know yet. And at that point, it seemed prudent to be careful till we started to figure things out. And ultimately, they ended up canceling the truck show anyway at the last minute. And but pretty quickly, really quickly, within a month or two of that time, we started looking at the data and saying, wait a minute, the the people who are dying were probably going to die this year anyway. You know, and and it just Mm -hmm. didn't make sense. And then the vaccine not only was it an experimental oh. vaccine that was going to be rushed, it was some crazy new technology that nobody had ever even heard of before. So it was just, it was prudent to say, oh, not no, but hell no. This isn't that deadly. This vaccine is a disaster. Why would I even think about taking that? My only regret, honestly, mm-hmm. is giving in on the mask issue. Mm-hmm. I won't yeah, do that you, again. Yeah. I'm, yeah. FYI, Kevin, I'm from Canada, and I don't know if you've heard, but they're talking about bringing back some restrictions yet again. I know. I know. We have schools mm-hmm. sending kids home. Mm-hmm. And first off, <laughs> it's it, called, um, why are we sending them home? We know how much damage we did to our kids last time, and we're, we're going to do it again. But what's even worse, we need to stop and ask, wait a minute. Why did attendance drop 81% in nine days? What have we done to our children's mm-hmm. immune systems? Wrecked them, basically, by the sound of it. I think we've destroyed them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's awful. I mean, it really I is. I guess, oh, if you want to go out, go out in style. Yeah, I guess. Man. Mm-hmm. And the other, and FYI, Kevin, as well, too, uh, this, um, remote schooling slash do it over zoom. Uh, when I was in high school back in 2007, they, I was actually part of a Guinea pig, uh, for doing a course uh, online that almost nobody 
really took. So they did it online. And to this day, I'm still amazed that I somehow managed to barely squeeze past and pass. You know, I have been looking at video technology to deliver education for over 20 years. It, we want, we, we mm-hmm. thought we could have used the technology. I go to a lot of events, we put on events, and it seemed like, oh my God, you got all these video cameras, you can shoot 360 degrees, it can be done in real time, and it can be recorded, and people can go back whenever they want. It's like the best way to deliver education, except it's not. It, 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 mm-hmm. it kind of sucks with all the technology and all the fancy, you know, effects and everything we can do in, in editing and all that stuff. We should be able to make this perfect presentation of information, which is what we're trying to do. We're, we're trying to educate people, except I've tried it. I, I pay a lot of money to get the online version of an event, and I get next to nothing out of it. And some of it's my fault. So half mm-hmm. the time I don't go through the material. And, and this is what I do. Mm-hmm. I consume material. And if I'm not going through this stuff, you have to bet about 80 or 90% of the people that buy these online events probably aren't getting much out of them. And that's exactly no, what you, the, you really the same don't. thing in school. These kids are getting nothing out of that. In fact, we would be better off to just say, look, kids, go on vacation till we figure this out. I think we do more damage mm-hmm. to them by trying to put them through this Zoom class crap than anything else. Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't work, but, well, let's try it again and maybe hope yeah, for the best. Yeah, we, we create all kinds of anxiety with these kids. It's it's horrible. Mm-hmm. And, well, what remains to be seen this time at this stage, only time will tell. But, well, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, and maybe that, it'll stick this time. That, I, I, first 500 didn't work. I know. You know what? I mean, it seems so crazy to me because after all the, these, after these years now, everything we talked about in the beginning has now been admitted to and proven that we were right. All the so-called conspiracy theories are no longer conspiracy theories. And nobody really mm-hmm. even tries to dispute any of that stuff much. And yet we're doing it again. Mm-hmm. I think I have a theory on why that might be a little bit, Kevin. I think a lot of people are trying to leave it all behind them a little bit, which which I get. I mean, revisiting 2020-21, it's just not a thing that I think most people would like to do in in any kind of way if they can avoid it. You can't blame them, but, well, people are taking advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, all we can do now is wait and see what comes of this. And then remember, we always have that thought in the back of our heads. Does this have something to do with the election? And it's hard to believe that it doesn't. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Wade, welcome. Uh, Kevin, with that thought there at the end, you've just proven you're just an insurrectionist. (laughs) (laughs) Armed. I'm armed, too. Don't forget that. (laughs) Yeah, I wanted to point something out uh, about the fact that almost everybody in the beginning of COVID was kind of on the same page taking this seriously. Now, uh, 
one guy yesterday kind of made it clear that he knew all along. I mean, he had it all figured out, and that's Mark. Uh, you know, I, I can't believe somebody that has no no kind of input into anything has such a strong opinion about the people who are actually making decisions. At the beginning of COVID, everybody was taking it very seriously. I was too. Now, no, I'm not putting a stupid damn mask on for anybody. But I wore one for probably a month in the beginning. I sanitized my hands in a, for a month in the beginning. We all were taking it seriously. Right. And I we think should. Trump was in the beginning too. We should have. Um, there's nothing wrong with assembling a team to, you know, he wasn't in there. He didn't work in the damn laboratory concocting this stupid vaccine. He he assembled a team to explore and to see what could be done. You know what? what Operation Warp Speed was. I know, but this is another example of what I always say when I talk about Trump. He is his own worst enemy. He creates these problems and this he created this problem with the vaccine and he will lose a lot of support over this, not because he was a part of it. He had to be a part of it. He was president at the time. There was no way around that. They were going to try to do a vaccine. So you got to give him a little bit of slack for how and when it happened. But here's what gets him in trouble. He will never even give a quarter of an inch on the idea that he might have been wrong and maybe even just admit it and apologize on anything. I've talked about it. That stupid call, the Ukraine call that he got impeached over. I can't tell you how many times he said it was a perfect call. It was a perfect call. That is just (laughs) stupid. That is just childish and ignorant to do that. And now he's doing it with the vaccine. He just won't come out and say, look, we, we had good intentions. We thought this was what needed to be done. And then it, it changed. And I apologize. I got it wrong. And he'll never do that. And because of that, that, that will probably be the biggest reason he loses part of his base. Yeah. And I would agree with that statement. I think at this point, yes, something does need to be said. He does need to admit that, hey, this, you know, this was not the intention of, of developing a vaccine. You know, some people forget he wasn't even in office anymore when the first shots went in the arm. He may have been. No, but but don't it may forget, have been the final two months. Don't but forget he, wasn't, he he his obnoxious nature of he bragged about the vaccine from one side to the other over and over and over. So you can't erase that. He may not have been there through all of it, but when he was there, he took an awful lot of credit for that. I, th- I think he took a lot of credit for the process that right. Operation it, not actually speed, right. developing. Right. Yes. Not actually sitting in there mixing the chemicals to make it. He well, took credit for the for the leadership that he provided. To, well, well, right. But I mean, that's how presidential you know, decisions always work. The president is not out doing anything. The president's not going to be out on the front line pulling a trigger. But he makes the decision to make those things happen. And then on top of that, he was obnoxious about taking all the credit for it. Yes. So now, now live one, with one that. One thing Mark brought up. Live and with I that, actually, that you took the credit for this. You bragged about it. And you won't admit that there was any kind of a problem with it. That's just really, really bad politicking. Yep. 
Yep. One thing, uh, definitely Trump has a lot to answer for is all of the stimulus bills that send, were sent out. You know, people yeah. in the upper middle class getting $5,000, myself included, you know, I never missed a day of work. I was making an extra 10 or 20% or, income at the time because of COVID. And I was receiving all these payments. That was the, not right. The, there was um, something else that was going on that, to conservative. that never got much press. Nobody really talked about it much. I knew of many, many cases of 16 and 17 year old kids who, because they were working at the time, they started getting unemployment and all the bonus unemployment. And they were making gobs of money. For a 16 or 17-year-old, it was obscene. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the spending part of COVID was completely outrageous. And I think, you know, a, a, lot of, a lot of people that tend to lean towards Trump forget about that. And they, they tend to blame inflation on Biden solely. I think the, the worst you, of the inflation is Biden's fault. But it absolutely started, it was caused by what happened under Trump last year with the, the spending the original you know, it was, spending, it was, right it was just outrageous yep. yes the, the amount of money that went out you know we probably and, received eight thousand dollars or so yeah and, and in we that are time period we are all still dealing with the effects and we will for a very long time yeah i just uh you know when you when you look at the overall picture here what what can you gotta weigh the options here so yeah it Initially, in the beginning, COVID was mishandled by both people. Everyone in charge mishandled it. But looking forward, who who are we going to pick? I think my number one choice, if he had a viable chance, which he, he does in a way, would be Vivek. Yeah. But at, at polling at 60 or 70 percent, I have to, you know, unless something with this, you know, this bullshit fake indictment that's going on, unless something changes there, how... I mean, Trump is going to be the guy most likely at this point. It, 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 so what it, are you just going to sit back? I don't, you know, what am I going to not vote for Trump, even though I know 80% of what he might do in his next term is going to be really, really good. 20% of it is going to lean towards the socialist side. That's better than four more years of Biden. I mean, do we realize what we're weighing here? You're going to no, sit I, out I've an been... election. He said he's not going to vote this time. He's going to sit out just because. You know, neither perfect, neither person is perfect. This doesn't make uh, any sense. Well, I, I'll play devil's advocate on that one because there have been years where I haven't sat out, but I've said I'm really throwing my vote away uh, when I vote libertarian. I mean, I know that that and there's always that argument. Well, it's the libertarians that keep knocking the conservatives out. Yeah, I, I've never understood why the libertarians are so much more aligned with the conservatives when on many, many issues, they're just as aligned with the liberals. Why don't the liberals even see that? I, yeah, I think I would say the libertarian vote is a wash because if it if it were to go away, if there were no libertarian candidate, candidate you'd probably have a 50-50 split going back to the two main parties. I don't think it makes a huge difference either way. But there are and lots of people that would argue against leaning that. Libertarians, Many people yeah, have said— Yeah, I think if the conservative-leaning libertarians were to go back to a Republican, yeah, you could probably get some more elected, but— you know, you're not going to just single out all the conservative leaning libertarians and say, oh, you guys go back and vote conservative. Yes. As far as people, you know, everybody has the right to vote the way they want to vote. And that that's it. And we make statements with our vote or not vote. 
Um, and that's fine. And, you know, that's, that is our process. So I'm fine with that. Like I said, I've made statements with my vote in the past. And, and sometimes you can look at it and say, look, it won't matter if I vote, don't vote, vote this way. It's sometimes like me being in such a blue state that it, it you know, you don't want to say it doesn't matter, but in reality, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the way, I don't know, the way I'm thinking about it is uh, if, if Trump gets back in, if, it, if he were to pull something off and be able to get back in, I think it's a far shot, but it, you, you can guarantee, I think we could just about guarantee through, through creative things, the border wall is going to get finished. We're going to have, you know, confidence in our economy again. So we're well, going to well, see well, hold on a economic second. growth again. Hold, hold on a second. We have to remember this isn't just a presidential election. And lately, the last several elections, the Congress is so close that you, you sometimes can't get anything done. And, and that's what happened. Trump had his option in his first two years. He could have gotten a whole lot more done. He had the whole ticket. And then he lost it. And then you just and so we could end up with a president from one party and all of Congress from another. Yep. And in that case, then you're not going to see Until those things happen. Yeah, you're 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 going to see. Unfortunately, then you're going to see Trump do what all the presidents do now. They start governing by executive orders, and that sucks. We need to stop that. All right, let's uh, let's go to uh, California. Mike, welcome to the program. Good morning, for Mr. Kevin. I am a beautiful hawker. How are you this morning? Good. What's on your mind? Well, I had two questions about business. The first one I have is regarding depreciation and why we have recapture depreciation. So it, the question is about depreciation and what about recapture? Yeah, why we have the oh, recapture okay. of depreciation. It, you know, this the, people think they're being ripped off somehow how somehow here. If you if we just take this back to accounting and and why we get deductions for things, it really does make sense. That there's no negative to this. They're not trying to rip you off. You're not losing some sort of a tax deduction. Let let me try to put it another way. Let's say that um, you go to the store and you you just buy a part for your truck and that part is a thousand dollars and you decide to put that into your accounting as an expense, right? You spend it. You, you get to now deduct that from your revenue and not pay tax on that thousand dollars. Right. So far. Yes. Now, what if you actually did a tax return while you had that part as an expense and then you took the part back because you didn't need it or it was the wrong part and you got a thousand dollar refund wouldn't it make sense that on the next tax return you have to go back up go back and make up for that right yes yeah because you can't take the deduction that you didn't really spend the money you got it back. Well, that's all recapture of depreciation is. Depreciation gave okay. you the ability to deduct the cost of this vehicle, and you could depreciate it all the way to zero. But then if you go sell that vehicle and you get $30,000, 
It's the same thing. It's like taking the part back and getting a refund. You no longer really spent that $30,000. You got it back. So if there's been tax okay. returns where we took that as a deduction, well, now we have to give it back. That's all this is. I got it. Okay. Not make sense. Are there any loopholes to get around that? Like, if no. you upgrade to a, a newer uh, next well, new vehicle, or you just, just so do the same process again? So this gets a little confusing because the Trump tax law changed this. There used to be something called a like-kind exchange, and like-kind exchange just means you traded something in. You traded in a truck for uh-huh. another truck. A like-kind exchange, and what that did was allowed you to not have to pay back the depreciation, but you had to take that value off the price of the new equipment before you started to depreciate it. So you didn't really gain oh, okay. anything at all. Works. Either way, it's still a wash. Right. Okay. No, that, that makes sense now. That, that, that's one part. The only key I, I was missing, that, that key of the explanation in the past when it was brought up on the, on the other calls, now that, that clarifies it. Good. Now, uh, another question I had, kind of, hopefully, is lesser of a question is going to uh, keeping you know track of my, uh, mileage intervals for maintenance with different parts of the truck and trailer and whatnot. Is there a good system keeping track of milos? Um, y- y- are like you we're keeping reminders and whatnot? Are you using fuel gauges? Not at the current time, no. Oh, yeah, there's a maintenance um, reminder and scheduling in fuel gauges. Oh, okay. And it's free, so, no, and it's really powerful for mar- fuel mileage, so it, it's a win-win. Yeah, I'm one of those. I'm still not really in, in, in the uh, trucking looking in. Got it. So I'm listening and learning all, the, all this time while I'm waiting to get into the game here. Perfect. So that's why I'll so just ready to go in business. I'll use fuel gauge. Absolutely. I'm ready hey, to do that. You, you know what you should do? List. You know what you should do? Uh-huh. When you get off this call, just go download fuel gauges. It's free. Just track the truck you're driving. Okay. Just put the information in there. and Yeah. Why not? Yeah, you know, it's kind of kind of hard though, because it, it is kind of a shared vehicle sometimes. Is that yeah, that's making all right. a difference? It, well, here's the thing. We're not tracking it because we really care about it. It's not your truck. You can't do much about it. You're not the one buying the fuel. We're just tracking it so you start getting practice tracking it. I don't even care if it's accurate. Okay. Yeah, I've been doing my, my fuel mileage on paper, tracking with the dash. I'm, I'm looking about a half a, gallon, half a mile per gallon on paper and with the, the dash. Yeah, that, that's not uncommon. You get an idea where I'm at. Yeah, just, just start using the app because it's so much more powerful. And the more you use it, it's like anything else. The better you get at it. Yeah, there you go. I didn't think about that. That's, I'll do that for sure. All right. Good stuff. That's all I need for today. Great. Uh, right. Thank you, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Tony, what, what's this I hear about you and uh, you and Paul hanging out at truck stops? Tony? Tony doesn't... Oh, I'm on mute. Sorry. Yeah, there there you are. There you are. Yeah. You, well, you know how much I love to hate brokers, but Kevin, uh, verbal diarrhea today, so now would be a good time to catch up on some emails and just cut me loose when you're done listening to me. <laughs> but yeah, Paul got me. He sure did. And uh, yeah, yeah, I was at the Fuel I- Island... I, I was pretty sure that this guy standing on my cab steps was going to tell me to stop taking my half-hour break on I the know, Fuel that, Island. I know, that would be you know, startling. My sheet. 
and somebody has assaulted me through the window at an Audi. And so I, I just figured, you know, I better get my tennis racket. But, but don't you well, just love an Australian accent? New Zealand. And, and the minute Paul, you New know, Zealand. I knew it was Paul. Well, sorry. Um, but yeah, <laughs> They're Paul, sensitive about there, that. Yeah, it, you know, so, sometimes... If you us, think he's nice on the radio, oh, he's, I'm not, he's even nicer in person. Paul is a I nice should have given him a bottle of Goyen uh, Super Fruits right there. Paul, I owe you. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I ran into Paul, and, and that was really good. I have got something... Uh, you know what the, you know the uh, most broker the, the funniest thing about the story to me is not is, is that he figured out it was you yeah right and so so don't you love when paul jumps up on your window isn't this tony from i hate brokers trucking like who else like and so i look over and i didn't even have to look at his truck i mean right. that accent but I know. Yeah, paul if you're out there yeah there's nobody better than paul Paul's my buddy. I'm going to buy a car hauler because right now there is a service repairman working on my truck at the uh, Pennsylvania Turnpike halfway up the hill into Pittsburgh. I did call Bruce, and he did give me the number of this nice man. Thank you, Bruce. And he is reconnecting that tube uh, that goes to the charge air cooler in between the turbo. I was going to ask you uh, any advice on that. I reconnected, but I don't. I just don't have a clamp, so and. I guess you shouldn't drive like that. So he's, he's going to patch me up. And this pack car is trying to get 8.5 miles to the gallon loaded right now. I don't know if I can blame the catalyst and 10 empty. So, I, and I'm, that is no exaggeration. I don't know what's going nice. on. I guess the catalyst is starting to kick in. Yeah. Um, or yeah, because I'm going slow, of course, 60 you know, miles an hour, um, that has something to do with it. A couple things there, the catalyst slowing down. We're also, depending on where you've been running, I mean, we've, we've been experiencing some more fall like weather already, you know, cooler temperatures, low humidity, uh, fall is the ideal time for fuel economy. Yeah, it does seem like that. So I think we're seeing a little bit of that. But the, the weather's so weird we're, that we might get 90 today. And yet, you know, the last two weeks we've been cooler in the 70s. And so it, it's just been really weird weather-wise around the country this year. Yeah, I don't know. I might, if this turbo didn't blow, I thought it was a turbo. I was about to call you up. Kevin, you need to buy a pack car. I mean, the, I mean, this thing is beating every cat, every coming. <laughs> This thing, 8.5 miles to the yeah. gallon, but, but I won't get blew the, blew the hose, but thank God it wasn't a turbo or worse. I yeah. think it would have made it without a turbo. Bruce said no, uh, 80 miles into Pittsburgh. He said, don't do it. So I'm having to pay the bill and I'm gonna have to pay him shortly. So I'll have to, I can't forget this. Uh, Kevin, you missed something. I've got something for that broker board that's that's lighting you up that they aren't ready for so so brace yourself all right here's what you forgot okay they might say that you are paid to say what you don't want to say and and basically calling you a sellout okay well then why would you say uh whatever you want to say and sometimes even get canceled for it <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, who's paying that, me for not that? There's much more better proof than that. Who's who's paying me for that? Yeah, yeah. That, it, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there is no more proof than that. Good point. 
And on that, I'll let you go, and we'll get to some more calls because they're starting to pile up. Jump in and join us. It is a, well, you know what? Uh, Henry should be here in a little bit, but we can keep going with whatever calls we've already got on. Uh, Let's go to Alabama. Mark, welcome. Hi. Uh, So, uh, hey, one thing real quick. You know, what? Run thing uh, real quick. Go ahead. So earlier, one of the things I don't normally do is let somebody call out another caller by name. You know, if you want to make general statements about somebody, when you throw in somebody's name, normally I shut it down. I saw you were on the line and would be able to come on and, and talk about it if you wanted to. So that's why. Well, well no, that's okay. Uh, he, I, I, it doesn't bother me. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get to my original point I called we, about. We, yeah, I mean, that's what this show is about. It's this, the, the, the discuss and debate ideas. Yeah, the, but, the one, the one, the, I, two, two things I'm going to address on that and get to my other, my original point. Number one for every libertarian you voted for, I voted for every sorry Republican candidate they ever threw up there. Just so you know that. So, and and a buddy of mine that I've known for thirty years in the last couple of elections voted, for, and he's a member of the Modern Whig Party. So there you go. So wow. He's about as frustrated with these people too. So yeah. he's like, and he joined them. He actually joined the Modern Whig Party. So uh, the one thing I'm going to say about that I've looked into with this whole. Trump and the virus and handle of COVID. And here's the one thing that gets overlooked. And Daniel Horowitz pointed this out in a column last year sometime. And I went and looked and found the video. It's on C-SPAN. When Trump and them were funding these COVID bills, he actually was giddy that he persuaded the Fed chair to start printing money. He, to quote him, they turned the spigots open. And so they started massively printing money during his term and he encouraged it. And this is where the whole, I mean, Biden piled on top of it. I mean, Biden just threw gas on the fire, but Trump and, refused. And let's and not give him a pass for that. And let's not forget that Congress was just as giddy about signing all of these bills. Absolutely. All I of mean, them. Okay, so one thing I'll add to the whole political shit before I get to my point on commodities is that for the longest time, my congressman was Ron Paul. Nice. And if you look back, I I loved Ron Paul. I still do. If you want to look, I mean, I I think he's awesome. I mean, there's still a sign on I-15 I saw earlier this year when I was going to California to see Buffett. Of saying oh, we vote for Ron Paul, support Ron Paul. It's still out there on I fifteen <laughs> south of Vegas. Yeah, but but if you remember when the TSA was created, one person warned about it and voted against it during that whole crap, and that was Ron Paul. Of course. And you look where we are. So uh, that's pretty much a more alliance with what I think is 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 on his wavelength of political thinking, but. Uh, but yeah, Trump was really giddy about, you know, pr- printing money there. So, and that tells you all you need to know right there. So, but anyway, uh, so you asked a question on Twitter yesterday about commodity and all like that. So I got to thinking this morning and when you were talking about it, so, you know, I haul cars, it takes special equipment to haul these cars. It's just, I mean, it's not that it's not your average. I could call it. Correct. Do. And right. so my 
my cargo insurance has to be $500,000. It has to be. And some are actually starting to ask for more I'll because bet. some of the values of these, That's right. these luxury cars. So, I mean, I hauled an Audi load not too long ago, and I was adding it up. I'm like, I'm either right at the limit or over the limit for this $500,000. I'll bet. And, and what if? What if one of these e-cars spontaneously – Paul and I were talking about this. What if an e-car spontaneously combusts back there? Yeah. Who's going to pay for that? I mean, who's 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 liable for that? I mean, it's not like I'm going down the road. Oh, my, this well, damn car caught on fire. Because it, it, there's a ship at the bottom of the ocean out there because of one of these. And, and so, what we have to remember, you know, y- yes, you have insurance, but you have deductibles. And when you claim on your insurance, your rates go up. So are these, e if this turns out to be a big enough issue, and it might be, are these e-cars going to come up come up with some sort of a surcharge to cover the extra risk. And, and do you guys, if there's that, I mean, like I said, there's a, there's a, there's a car carrying ship that went to the bottom of the ocean yeah. last year in the Atlantic because they couldn't put the fire out. Yeah. So, but, and, 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 and also customer service. It's like, I mean, I got to, well, and let's, let's night, think about something else. I, if one of these cars catches on fire, what's going to happen to your trailer? Uh, well, I was telling Paul the other day, I said, I think I'll try to put them all on the trailer. That way I can just disconnect, and then I, it'll be just worry well, about getting a different trailer because it's, it's going to burn up. So. Right, right. You're, you're, this would be a huge yeah, disruption to your business. Yes. Yeah. I mean, because it's like, what do you do? Because you, you can't unload a trailer fast enough when something right. catches Here, on fire back there. Here's something I, I'd wonder. I wonder if we could even find this statistic anywhere. Do are there ever cases of non-electric vehicles catching fire during transit on a trailer? I mean, I'm sure maybe something somewhere, but I'll bet it's pretty damn rare. Generally, a car fire starts when gasoline gets Correct. loose and something ignites right. with some grease or some, whatever. Something, so, yeah, the car usually a, and, internal combustion engine cars are only going to catch on fire when they're running. Yeah. So, so last night I got I got to Montgomery to load, and I had heard they've been putting vehicles on hold. So I wanted to get loaded and get out the gate because once you're out the gate, you're free. But I got there, and one of the vehicles had shipped earlier in the day. The other vehicle had damage. So that's the things you have to deal with out here. Is is like damaged, and so I couldn't get a hold of anybody until this morning. But it's like. I didn't lose my cool over it. Was it frustrating? Absolutely. But it's like, it's just part of what it is. But, you know, I just like, I did what I could do, try to get a hold of people, let them know what was going on. And they happily fixed it this morning. I put the two on and here I am. So, and, and I let them know when I got out the gate, I said, I'm departed. And it was my goal to get this all delivered tomorrow at the border down, at the, down in the Brownsville area. And it's like, if you give customer service, you, you get better feedback and better respect and better responses in the meantime everybody's happier if you let people know what's going on you have a good attitude and you know you sell yourself out here that's half the battle and i just think people don't realize how a good attitude and how far it can go and believe me there was a point in my life where i had a bad attitude i had to learn to overcome that and make the changes so Anyway, that's about all I got. I was just—I—I I, I think there's certain segments like heavy haul, car hauling, tankers that are not considered uh, commodities because 
you bring extra value and you have to be more attentive to what you're doing because the value of what you're it, you're you're hauling out here you know here's so, what i would say you know that being resp- th- this is all a spectrum and clearly the more skill any kind of freight or trailer requires would make it less of a commodity now here's something else we have to clarify the word we are kind of bastardizing the word commodity we're using it like an analogy or a a simile we're not saying that these things are commodities there's a clear definition of what a commodity is but we're we're using it as a an analogy it's like being a commodity because they only care about price so people are freaking out. Oh, my God, you're calling people commodities. And uh, No, we're not. Just relax. We're just trying to get you to understand a business concept. And that's what analogies do. They help us understand something. So that's the first thing I, I want to get clear. Um, but then this, again, it's a spectrum. The more skill required, the less it could be a commodity. Um, but you will still find people in those segments that, because of their mindset and their behaviors and their processes that they, they can almost make themselves a commodity if they're not careful, even in some of those more specialized areas. And in the other hand, I I will say that put me in a drop and hook operation or palletized van freight, and I will make that freight not a commodity. I agree. It, 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 it's all in how you look at what you do right. and, and, and being efficient. If you can be efficient and show the the, and, the, the customer that you yeah. are efficient and, and you come in there with a good attitude and they yeah. like you, because I found that in one thing about business is like, and it goes back to how win, win friends and influence people. If they like you, it's really they'll pay you yes. because they like you. Yes. It's, it's let, the likability me, goes a long way. Good attitudes go a long way. Let me make one modification to my statement, my saying. The best way to make sure you are never a commodity is to discover your uniqueness and exploit it in the service of your customers. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, it, that's. <laughs> pretty much sums it up. Yeah, that's it right but, there. But some of these people don't get that. They just, they don't get that. They don't get the fact. They, they It's almost like they, they feel like they're entitled to right. that is a certain exactly rate. I don't feel like what I'm they... entitled to a rate. I, I, I wor- all I worry about, and I was thinking of this, I just I just load the wagon. And that's what I did. I do, I, I do out here. I just load the wagon and, and then let, let everything else take care of itself. And as long as, you know, as I maintain these relationships, it's like some, some, some loads are better than others. This load started off as a three dropper, then it turned into a four dropper, then it turned into a two dropper, and now I'm back to a three dropper. And the only good thing so far is I don't have to stop in Corpus. I can go straight to the valley. So, <laughs> and, and and I've never asked him to re, redo a load for me. I was telling Paul, I said I've never asked him to do that. And I said I looked at that and, and the time given, and I just said, you know, when they when they changed it, I said, well, if they're going to change it on me, I'm going to ask if there's anything else they can do. And and they came back and they did, but they didn't realize that one had gotten shipped earlier in the day. And then, of course, you can't control the fact that some some Yahoo out there damages a car while they're you know parking it, or or they the quality control is not you know misses something. You just and that's another thing that I have to be out here is I'm quality control for these manufacturers whether yeah. I want to be or not because once I move a vehicle, it's my vehicle and my damage, and I had to that's pay eight hundred fifty dollars right. for an inside door scratch 
earlier this year. I just paid the damn bill because they said, well, that's part of what you have to look for. And it's like, <laughs> that's part of what we do. We have to examine these vehicles. And if we don't and we miss something, we have to pay for it, whether we damaged it or not. Right. So, you know, and, and, and that's just the rules of the game that you have to accept out here. So, and some people don't understand that. And it's just like, it's frustrating because well, they did that. But it's like, you just, the more you look at these cars, the more you can spot the little things. And it's like, you just, even when I go get a rental car, I'm like, there's this, this, that, and the other. Oh, we don't worry about that. And I'm like, well, it's there. I'm just letting you know. So there you go. So, yeah. All right, Mark. That, uh, that's got- Joel and uh, I believe Joel showing up and Henry looks like their numbers. You'd think I would recognize them by now. Um, so we're going to bring them in. We've got some calls on hold. We're going to get to those, so don't go anywhere. We'll hear from uh, Joel and Henry and see what's on their mind this week. And it looks like Joel's up first. Joel, good morning. Henry, we're just going to bring you in, too. Let's, good just, mo- uh, let's just get <laughs> to good morning, it. Kevin. Good morning. Good morning. So, uh, Joel, since you're up at the top, what's new and exciting in your world this week? I see you had a pretty exciting trip there to talk about. I've been busy for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Done uh, a couple back to back runs out the Pacific Northwest. Um, lots of drops on these. Both uh, both runs were over 30 drops. Wow. And then I'm doing multiple picks and multiple stops coming back now as well. So in totality, they're both closer to 40. And uh, the truck is just really hitting on all cylinders. It's just knocking them out of the water. I mean, nice. It's, it's, the fuel efficiency has just been crazy good. So, yeah, my last two rounds out to the Pacific Northwest and back, um, I'm right just a touch over 11 miles a gallon wow. average on that with all the stops. Wow. And I've had, I've had an average speed of almost 55 mile an hour with all those stops. So we're, we're hauling the mail. With yeah, you are. So, no doubt. Wow. Yep. That is impressive. Yep. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's been good. That's um, exciting. The one thing that I really want to touch on is the, uh, the electric APU. Okay. And you get you tend to get a lot of pushback from guys that the old battery APUs are junk and you know, they had some challenges in the past. The particular setup I'm running right now with the solar and now I'm just running still just regular old AGM batteries, no exotic, you know, formulation or anything like that on the batteries. And uh on this entire round, which took me just over three weeks to turn. Uh, it's like 8,000 miles. I had 13 hours of idle time. We had five days over 100 degrees and one day over 105. And uh, so my idle time was extremely low. The, I, I have insulated window covers that I use in addition to my solar, and that makes all the difference in the world in the high heat. The electric APU was able to keep up in the heat out there. And, and I was in Aurora. Um, not too far from you at the, at the TA when it was 105 and I was on my 34 hour break and, uh, you know, idle time was still at just a very minimum and wow. I was comfortable the entire time. So very, very pleased with that. That being said, there's some pretty exciting upgrades coming to the electric air conditioning market in terms of batteries and 
charging and whatnot, and things are only going to get better. And, and I really, truly, honestly believe it just kind of drives the nail in the coffin for the diesel yeah. APUs with the, this next round of upgrades coming. You know, I'm going to test a yeah. uh, small portable battery powered AC that, I, like you said, there are changes coming. These pumps are getting far more efficient. They're they're really shrinking the size of a lot of these components. Um, this one comes with a battery pack that will run the air conditioner off of its own battery for about four and a half hours. So I'm going to buy nice. the unit and two batteries. And then here's the thing. Two batteries on this unit alone will get you nine hours, and then you could just plug mm -hmm. into the batteries on your truck after that. Sure. You'd get all kinds sure. of Absolutely. hours like this. Yeah. And the batteries aren't that big. Uh, if you wanted to, you could buy three of them, and, and you just swap it out when you need to, and then you still have batteries on the truck. And from what I'm reading about this thing, it's got some uh, some cold cranking power there. I mean, it, it looks like it'll cool a pretty big area pretty quickly and efficiently. So I, I'm going to buy it. We're going to I'm going to test it in the Sprinter. Nice. I'll see if we can put it in the Sprinter nice. and use that as our primary <laughs> AC. Kevin, talking talking about that with the battery stuff. I was just seeing that I had stopped up at Nussbaum up in. Hudson, where Clark Reed, one of the other freight and our team runs Smart Pros, runs out of, and they just put in the lithium-ion batteries in his battery-powered HVAC system, and it has double the range, less weight, and it's incredible. And, and Joel, and you just much longer life. That is one of the oh, advantages. Yeah. Joel, of, you, yeah. Well, one of the tricks I found with this battery-powered air conditioning, I'm just still on the regular AGMs on mine. But when it gets real hot out like that, Joel, in your Volvo, you have the upper bunk, right? Yes. So what I do when it's really hot out and I'm just going to be sleeping, I put the upper bunk down and I hang a fleece blanket across the yes. front edge of it. So it's only <laughs> trying to cool right. where yeah. I'm sleeping. Yeah. And, exactly. And with the Merlin solar panels, I'm able to do a 34 with only starting the engine just to run the microwave. Oh, nice. Which, you know, it's yeah. like maybe 15 minutes. Yeah. Now, we've come a long way on those. I, I was, you know, I, we were talking about them at the very beginning. We partnered with the company for a little while, and we knew. I mean, we said, this isn't ready. It, it, don't do this if you're thinking this is a plug-and-play and everything's just going to work great. It's not. But the only way you really start to improve this stuff is somebody's got to get out and start using it. And that was kind yeah, of my the, point. I said, this it, is true. we just got to start using okay. it and then we'll make it better. And that's not for everybody. No, it's not. I know, Kevin, when the Park Smart, Smart HVAC system come out, when I first started with Team Run Smart, when it was Slice of Life yet, they I had one of the first three. Like, they weren't even out on the option list. And, yeah, there was some nightmares there at the beginning. I got really good at taking it out till we got everything straightened out i played guinea pig on that back in 07 and where where it is now from then it's just amazing yeah yeah and, and, it, other, and it's just going to keep improving things, sure sure one of the other things that i've got going on here guys not to change the subject too much but um of course i got a, a lift axle on the trailer that we've done a conversion from just a, a regular old tandem that wasn't liftable and there are always some challenges when you 
do this to, to get it right. I bought the underbeam from Hendrickson, but there's several things that they fail to tell you when you buy this kit. The kit only lifts the axle. They fail to mention that the airbags that are on the trailer originally have internal bump stops, so you only get about an inch of ground clearance on the tire. Um, and so you have to swap the bags and the pedestals out, and it's a different size bag, so you can get a little extra lift, and there's no internal bump stop. We also went to a heavier-duty shock absorber on the primary axle. I went from the 20K shock to the 23K shock. And then I also used some motion control valves in the primary axle from Donville. And what a huge difference in controlling that trailer bounce that you typically get in a lift axle trailer, especially wow. when the, the tandem is slid forward. Yeah. It's just it's like a, a steel spring suspension. There's just nice. none of that bounce. And, of course, that bounce gives you some issues, especially if you're running a 6x2 as far as dynamic whip and cab slap and, and those type of things. But uh, a really, really nice result. We're going to continue to test this. And as long as everything continues along this track, I'll probably release part numbers and stuff um, so people understand what they potentially need to get in order to to make that lift axle arrangement on a trailer actually work in my mind. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've always yeah. been less than no, what, with that trailer bounce. Mm-hmm. We, we, we both really believe in the lift axles. And matter of fact, I'm at the end of this week, it'll be 3,840 miles on three axles. Cause I had late freight both ways. I had to run fast, mm-hmm. but on your trailer, when you converted yours, cause mine was converted also, did you have a four channel ABS system as well to contend with? I, I believe it did. Um, I obviously I had Jim up at Michigan MD alignment, do all the work. So I, I didn't have hands on on it, but I, I believe it did have the four channel ABS on it. Cause, cause mine has the automatic lift on the trailer that goes along with that, you know, where my weight decides when to lift it. One problem I found with it is if I'm right on the threshold of where to lift or not lift for a yep. while, it when you hit the brakes, it would put the axle down. Yep. So yep. all I did was find where the control air cycle was on that and put a ball valve in there that when it lifted, I'd flip that valve shut so it would not and, and lock it, lock it in place. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I just opted to go with the manual because this trailer's older and I know I'll be upgrading. So I didn't want to go through all the rigmarole and expense of the automated system. And it works great for what I do. Um, the manual right. system is, is just fine. But the uh, the shock absorbers and and, um, and the motion control and all that, it, it has a very, very nice uh, uh, impact on the performance of the suspension. It, it's you, you just get rid of all that dynamic whip and weight transfer as you're going down the road. And it, it's really nice. What I'd like to do on mine, Joel, is you know how they have the shockless airbag yep. system? I'd like yep. to try that and, and not have the shock and then try that and add the shock to it. Uh, and I think that's something what we've done. It's similar with this valving that we put. It's just external valving, that motion control valving that we're using. It essentially turns the airbag into a big air shock is essentially what it's doing. So exactly what you're saying is what we done. 
and we, we turned that, that airbag into a type of shock absorber, and then we added a, a, a another shock absorber to it. And it, it does work. It, it absolutely does. It's uh, initially right out of the box. I am very, very pleased with it. It sure is nice having the versatility. I know we're both big believers in the lift axles of being able to do a whole week on three axles, especially when tolls are involved. I went from Laredo yeah. to Jersey this week, and it's nice to do that on three axles the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the one of the big uh, things that I guess runs through some of the drivers' mind is they start looking at the axle weights involved, and you are absolutely going to have higher average axle weights, even though the payload is lighter, and it's important that you understand that. Uh, and that's part of the advantage of, uh, of the lift axles because you want to keep specific axles loaded to capacity to get the ultimate efficiency out of them. So drive axles are designed to run most efficient when fully loaded. And with a 6x4, you never really load that axle. So you lose a little bit of efficiency just because the axle's not loaded um, uh, to a high enough degree. Obviously, with the six by two, also you're eliminating gear sets and you're eliminating lube oil. And I've I've had an ongoing discussion sure. online with with a with a gentleman that he just <laughs> insists that there is no efficiency gain to be had by a six by two <laughs> identically spec to a six by four. He just absolutely insists on that. Yeah, and I, I, I get that. it. I have bumped into this multiple times in the past where. Somebody had a six by two and they were struggling. They didn't see the gains, but it, it's always something that's not related to the concept itself, whether it's wheel wow. bearings being overly tight, whether you not have enough fuel pressure in the galley on a Volvo, you know, there's always well, something else. So finally he says to me, why don't you come out here for two weeks and run my truck and I'll prove it. I said, if you want to spend the time and the money to make sure those trucks are identical, I said, we'll start with a cylinder balance test. We'll run the overhead. I want to verify the wheel bearing. Yeah. I, you know, I gave him a list of stuff. And then he says, well, I guess you just don't want to do it then. No, no that's not, that's not no, what you I have said. to do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. If, if he's truly not seeing a game, there is a problem somewhere else that he hasn't and you and have to go find it. He's not a dumb. He's a pretty right. sharp guy. Yeah. But it, that shit gets. And this is this is one of the problems and, I had with my brother because I was always wanting to find every little problem, and yeah. he's like, "I'm making money. I don't need to find your right. itty bitty little. Well, you know what I mean?" So, and then let's think about this. What he's saying. You, you, yes. you guys all what know what he's this. saying could be true for his operation, but there, there. A six by two will always, 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 always right. be more efficient than a six by four. There's, uh, there's no, no way, way around, around that. It. It, it, uh, yes. Joe, what I, I I keep being after Hendrickson to do at the trucks shows is to bring mm -hmm. the lead axle with the inner axle differential and everything, and just mm -hmm. have it there with a handle. Turn the pinion gear. Yes. Turn the pinion gear. That's yes. That's turn the pin. It, it, it ain't free. Well, yeah, <laughs> gears don't turn for free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 you'll you'll know that there's an efficiency there. Hey, hey, Joel. One of the lines I use on people like this, mm -hmm. and I use usually hold this off until I'm just so frustrated I don't know what else to say. I'll look at him and go, you know, this is really all about the laws of physics. And the last time I changed, the laws of physics hadn't really changed in a while. Not too much. No, it, it's true. And he's a good guy. Right, I mean, he right. runs a successful. Right. He's, he's got some challenges there that 
He's not recognizing any, guess what? He's making money. Yeah. Right. What does he really care? He, he's not going to dig that up. And I get that part of it. He's running a business. He's not running an efficiency show. So I completely get that. But um, to say that, that the six by four, the six by two has no advantage over six just by wrong. four in terms of efficiency. Right. It's, it's just it's just plain wrong. Yeah. Yes. And then well, here's the other you know, thing. My, my Jeep Wrangler does just as good on fuel as a Prius. <laughs> right. Well, that's kind of what I was about to get to right now. Um, Joel, Henry, we all understand this. Sometimes we have a hard time getting this across to people who haven't done extensive fuel mileage testing. There are no two identical trucks. There's no such thing. No. Well, and, and it, lump sum and apart. Ex- exactly why you have to go through a very rigorous yes. pre-testing checklist. And even then, everything it, is never identical. It, but if, wow. if you don't spend the time, money, and effort to do that, just driving a couple hundred miles in a truck that hasn't been gone through and everything, it's completely meaningless. It yep. means nothing. Right. It, it, it right. really does. So it just, uh, yeah. it's just some of hey, the, some of the stuff hey, that's let, been let, going on out on social let's, media. Let's do this today. I haven't really looked to see what our calls look like yet. A uh, couple on there. We'll get to them. Um, Let's do this. Uh, Joel, I don't know. If, Henry, have you guys been listening much this week to the live show or the spaces at all? No, I've I have been slam busy. Yeah. yeah, I know. I yep. like to put you guys on the spot. I can't believe you're not listening to me. Sheesh. Just kidding. <laughs> um, so the, 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 there's been kind of, it's been kind of a contentious week with this new owner-operator association. These guys are... Man, I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. I was trying to work with them. I was trying to, you know, let's have some friendly debates. They have gone so far off the deep end. I don't even know how to respond to these guys anymore, so I'm just not. It's just not worth it at mm-hmm. this point. Um, we we have gone. So mm-hmm. the two big topics this week, I there, there were a bunch of posts over the weekend about some stuff. So I, on Monday, I actually did kind of a pop-up space to address this. And... The issue was collusion in in trucking and is trucking a commodity? That was kind of, and what happened was, you know, um, Craig Fuller started a few of these, the CEO over at Freight Waves. You know, he, he, he made a statement that trucking is a commodity. Well, anybody that's listened to the show mm-hmm. knows I've made that statement probably 50 times over the last decade or so. I talk about that concept. Mm-hmm. It's not even well, argued. Yeah. Uh, we, 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 uh, most the, the, people. The big fight is to not be a commodity, exactly. but we are. Yeah. It, right, exactly. And that was, that's always my point of bringing it up is to say you can opt out of that. You don't have to be a commodity. And, and here's how you do it. No. Here's the, and I, today, it just I came up with this kind of one statement that really sums it all up. And it's the line I stole from Larry Wingett, and I used to open every show with it. Discover your uniqueness and exploit it in the service of your customers. And if you do that, you will guarantee to never be a commodity. That's the opposite well, of a commodity. Along, along the same note of what you're talking about, did you see the article that was out this week in Overdrive by, about Derek Leathers? Yes. With Werner saying yes. he could so, not believe that the small fleets and owner-operators so, are hanging in. So here's how that group 
responded to that article. That article got brought up. They are in this mindset of everybody is out to screw them. Everybody. So the minute they read that article, here's how they took it. Here's how they took it. Derek Leathers is the CEO of Werner, right? It's Werner? Yeah. think so. Yeah. So he made the comment, I'm surprised that mid-size and small-size fleets are this resilient and they've made it this far into the downturn. Well, that that's a that's a good statement. Compliment. I, we, yeah, and we've we've all said the same thing too. Why is it taking so long to wash out the the excess capacity? And we've talked about all the money and all and the rates keep coming back and all that. So that that was just a, a not something I would consider a controversial statement. But they twisted it to see the big carriers are trying to put us out of business, and they're shocked that it didn't work. Oh well, you know, that, Kevin. What I would you, say, I how hope do you that they don't want to push us out of business, and I don't like care. That. I, 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 well, my, my, Kevin, it's, it's it's no different than when I raced cars. The other forty some cars out on the track were out to get ahead of me. So what? <laughs> so. Here's uh here's my question. Has anybody looked up the definition of commodity? Yeah. Because so, I'm Listen, I'm looking yeah. at it right, right here. It says right. a useful Good. or valuable thing. I've got uh, no problem with being a useful or valuable <laughs> thing. I have no problem with that at all. Exactly. So right. I am a commodity. Right. I've got no problem with that. Yeah. But it, it, but the thing so, is, is to not be commoditized. Yeah, right. I mean, and that's the only reason we bring this stuff up. But this group responded with this. Oh, my God. Look at them. They're not even ashamed of it. They're not even hiding it. They're calling human beings a commodity. That's like buying and selling people. It's like slavery. Uh, uh, no, How do you respond to that? Well, not- Kevin, Kevin, when people do this, it means they have absolutely no idea what they're talking about to begin with. They have absolutely no idea how the free market or business so- works. Wait. So you throw out bullshit like this to bamboozle wait. and confuse people, I guess. Yeah. Well, wait, a, it, it gets better. That stupid. It gets better. That was the commodity issue. So then we moved on to the collusion issue, price fixing. So in the beginning of this, their claim was that big brokers and big carriers are price fixing to drive the, the owner operators out of the market. And I can't think of a market where it would be harder <laughs> to price fix than trucking. In fact, not just hard, oh, completely impossible to yeah. price fix I, in a I market like this. That. But then it got worse. They went further. So I started pointing out all the data that was available. And they were making it sound like, well, well, the brokers all get their data for, they steal our data from these load boards and then they all share it and then they use it to keep the prices down and, Nothing about that even makes any sense. But then, so when I pointed out, hey, look, this data is available to you, too. You could go find these rates and be able to negotiate better. Then they started putting up data from, first off, they were putting up data that was from DAT and then blaming Craig Fuller, who is from Freight Waves. They, they couldn't even seem to figure out that those <laughs> well, were two that, totally <laughs> different companies. But then 
They said, and Craig Fuller and Freight Waves is colluding with these big carriers and brokers to put out false data to convince the owner operators that the rates really are that low. And he's paying Kevin Rutherford to tell all the owner operators that it's a good thing. Well, that's how far the conspiracy hey, Kevin, how much did you make on that? <laughs> <laughs> how much did you make on that deal? How well, much did you get paid to do that? Come on, Henry. If I tell everybody, I'm just going to I'm just going to piss them off even more if I tell them, you know what? Okay, so, I, so let's, let's, I'll do let's it talk for about less than you will, Kevin. I'll separate you. <laughs> so let's let's talk about the the supposed just shitty rates out there. So. I have been working with my direct customer for the last two months, and I haven't really been on my favorite load board, the Schneider load board. All right, I know everybody's <laughs> like, "Oh, geez, the Schneider," you know. But so you're part of the yeah, um, you're part of the I, problem, right? Right. Well, listen, I actually I have to run down to Greensboro and and do some stuff with the engineering staff next week. So I thought, well, why don't I just do a power only load going down? Sure, you know, no big deal. So I jump on the the Schneider load board, and there's seven loads going from North Central Ohio down to the Greensboro area. Not one of them was under $2 a mile. And the load that I ended up taking paid two eighty nine dollars a mile, all miles, and weighed 5,000 pounds. I can uh, live with that. Uh, live with it? That excites me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can live with it. And that's yeah. power only. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. So, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just that damn lucky when I get on the load board and I'm not seeing what everybody else is. I have no idea, but I just, well, you know, are there some cheap loads? There were a of lot of cheap course, stuff out there, but you just ignore course, it. Right. I don't call Schneider and go, you bastards are colluding. <laughs> you drove that price down and you're trying to put me out of business. You know, come on. I know. Uh, yeah, but I know. Joel, we need to, we need to switch programs here. We need to get on this influencing hey. business like Kevin because we can do that from the comfort of a couch. No more of that crazy talk. <laughs> yeah, no more of that crazy talk. Just stop it. I don't know what you're thinking. Um, so uh, here, here's one of the things that that I kind of want to do, though. You know, this idea of don't be a commodity understand whether you want to believe it or not, you absolutely have a customer. And the way to be successful is to service that customer, to, to serve that customer better than anybody else can. And you know what? One of the really big components of that is, and we don't talk about this a lot, a really big component of serving your customers well, serving the industry well, serving our economy well, is to operate your business as efficiently as you possibly can. Efficiently, is, uh, that, that's exactly right. And what everybody's saying that brokers and these load boards, they look at them as their enemy, they are your greatest ally. And my brother preaches this to every time we talk, every time we sit down and talk about trucking, he's like, you're making sure you're diversified, right? You don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. You know, he's, he's worried about things. So right. He's like, don't right. put all your all your marbles in with just this one customer. As good as it may be, this could fall apart. I'm like, no, I'm still working with Schneider. It, right. He does the same thing in a fleet. He's got tons of direct freight, tons of direct customers, but still works with brokers and 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 load boards just so he's diversified in case right. there's an issue. Right. 
Yeah. It, it, so it, why why is everybody they're evil and they're out to the screw? They are providing yeah. a service. If it fits your business model, use it. If it doesn't, find somebody else. Nobody is sitting in an office somewhere going, these goddamn pesky owner-operators, I'm going to put them out of business <laughs> once and for all. I'm going to call Rutherford. I'm going to call the guys at Freight Waves, and we're putting an end to these that's sons right. of bitches. I'm, I you know, know, that's what it's, they act like. Uh, well, I, it's, it's the most ridiculous l- thing ever. Listen to this statement and how uh, it Joel, was said. with those words, I think you figured out how to get paid. That's what I think. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Listen. Hey, I'm now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Henry, what what's wrong with you this morning? Henry, Henry, I'm looking for this. I'm looking for this gravy train. Are, are you there, Henry? We we can't hear you anymore. Henry, Henry, are you there, Henry? <laughs> You're breaking up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Listen to this statement, and I'm going to deliver it exactly the way it was delivered. Why the hell should I have to cut my cost just because the rates are down? <laughs> that, it was what said an like that. And ignorance. It was said like that. Why uh, should I have uh, to run a business just because uh, rates? Uh, <laughs> 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 wow! Yeah. Wow! Yeah. Oh. And, and I think this Jesus show Christ, we, yeah. we we focus on the single most important thing you should be doing for your customer: running as efficiently yes. as you can. Yes. Present yourself as professional, run efficiently. It's the two most important things you can do. Um, I, I was old across the you, right. I, yeah, safety is, is also you, a huge part of that. I rolled across the scales up in Wisconsin. They rolled me in for a level one. And what a great bunch of guys. I mean, I actually enjoyed it. And I'll they thought bet. the truck was cool. They're down oh, in the pit. Right. They're calling other guys going, wow, look at this. And look but, at that. And that is awesome. Did, and so we had a little party going. <laughs> it was actually a good time. So did I ever tell you I, that? You know, if you present well, it, it, you, you do yourself a big favor. Absolutely. Did I ever tell you the story about the, the time we drove that first signature truck home from Louisville to Colorado? <sighs> I, you you told us about almost running out of fuel once in it. That that was the beginning of the trip, and then uh, later on we yeah. had another <laughs> cool story. You know, this is this had the lift axle, yeah. it had air tabs, it had wide singles. I mean, you could just look at this truck and know there was something different about it. And we were bobtailing, uh-huh. we were going through Oklahoma. I think we were either in Tulsa, or Oklahoma City, um, and I passed a DOT officer sitting on the shoulder. And I went by him in the right lane. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I went by him, he pulled out, out behind me. And I don't even have any plates on this thing. <laughs> in fact, I don't have any plates. We, we drove it out mm-hmm. of the dealer with nothing. I mean, I, we didn't even grab a dealer plate. I <laughs> gotcha. mean, we have nothing. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, oh, this is going to suck if he pulls me over. So <laughs> he rides behind me for a little while. And then he passes me. And he starts to accelerate away, and then he pulls off onto the shoulder again and starts slowing down. So now I got to pass him again. And as soon as I pass him, he pulls out behind me, mm-hmm. and he hits the lights. Ah, <laughs> oh, man! Now oh, he knows I don't have any plates on the front. I don't have any plates on the back. I don't have any stickers for uh-huh. anything. And I'm like, all right, well, let's see what happens. So he walks up, hands up. And, yeah, he walks <laughs> up, and he's like, "What the hell is this?" And I said, "What?" And he said, 
this truck. He says, you know, I'm kind of new at this. And he says, I just love trucks. And he says, but what are, what is going on here? <laughs> so I start showing him this. Cool. Yeah. So I start showing him this stuff. Well, we were also, we were live streaming our location. If people wanted to track the truck, they could do it online. We set up a page on our website and we were tracking the truck so they could see where we were. So while I'm talking to this guy and I'm showing him all this stuff and the lift axle and the wide singles and the air tabs and why we do. And then I, you know, I'm going to open the hood and show him OPS. And, I, you know, I could be here for hours now. Mm -hmm. So Lisa's over there talking to the people online because everybody started saying, why did the truck stop in the middle of Oklahoma City? Is <laughs> he broke down? What's going on? So Lisa's over there talking to him. Nice. And she, she looks over at the officer and she says, hey, would you talk to our tribe? They're asking why we're stopped on the side of the road. So the DOT officer gets in his car and goes onto our website and creates an account and starts chatting with the people on our website. <laughs> nice. So we're nice. just, we're just, you know, <laughs> having a good cool. time. And finally he says, you know, I should probably at least make it look like I stopped you for something. He says, can you show me your paperwork? And I'm like, no, actually I can't. And then I said, Oh, Lisa, grab that uh, dealer tag out of the truck. So I'm trying to explain to him. We just built it. Lisa's she's fuming yep. because she's like, what dealer plate? You know, damn well, we don't have a dealer plate in here. Uh, so oh, I, I lost it. <laughs> yeah. So, so then Lisa walks over and says, you know, you should probably just put him in handcuffs now. <laughs> the guy starts laughing and he's like, what? And she said, no, really? Wow. Could you put him in handcuffs so I could take a picture? And she, he did. He put me in handcuffs. <laughs> and Lisa was taking pictures. So it was, it was pretty fun. Nice. Yeah. Nice. But, uh, nice, nice. Yeah. The only the only goofiness I've ever really had at a scale, and it was just funny more than anything, is I had a little Cleveland Browns football helmet sticker on the passenger side window, and I went to a scale, and the lady in the scale says, go Browns, and I thought she said, pull around. Oh. And <laughs> she came on the speaker. You know, I rolled in there, and she says, go Browns, and I thought she said, and right. I pull around, and they're all just laughing their oh, ass off God. when I walked in. She yeah. said, no, I said, I go Browns. <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> all right. Hey, we should probably get well, to some. It's funny with that stuff. To some calls, because we've had some I know with mine when, very patient people. Go ahead, when, Henry, finish that thought. When I used to have Mooresville on my doors, and because I have my trailers all logoed up and all, they'd think I was a race team. And the race teams are known for giving them leather jackets, and then they just let them go. <laughs> well, I, 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 I got rid of the Mooresville on my door. I got tired of pulling in the scales for that. Yeah. They'd, they'd come out Yeah. Oh, all right. Let's, uh, we're going to head off north of the border. Talon, welcome. Talon, are you there? Not hearing anything. He's been there a long time. We've Can had you hear me now? Oh, there we go. Go ahead. My headset's giving me issues. Hey, so I just, uh, I got a new company truck yesterday, and I'm kind of wondering what I should expect for fuel efficiency in this thing. All right, give us some specs. It's uh, the 2024 Kenworth T680. With the uh, MX-13 at 456 horse. And uh, they spec'd it out really good. It has 490 rear gears in it. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <What>? 490. <laughs> Yikes. Are you heavy? Yeah. Nope. Very, very, very heavy. Racer. What? 
No way. <laughs> no way. It's got to be three ninety. Even three nineties would be <laughs> awful, but it can't possibly oh, be four nineties, could it? So, so at sorry, I'm, I'm at three nineties. Yeah. Okay. At your cruise speed, what's your RPM? Uh, my cruise speed is sixty-two mile an hour. My RPM is fifteen or is uh, fourteen seventy. Ouch. Yeah. Did Ouch. you hear him say, Ouch. Joel? It Ouch. is three nineties. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that sounds about uh, I right. I work at a larger carrier. I work at a larger carrier. We have sixteen of these trucks just got delivered, all spec the same. <clears throat> so one of the unique things about the the pack R product is you have a very lightweight, small rotating assembly. So if there is an engine that's going to be more efficient at higher RPM, it's going to be the pack R. It's very small crank, very small bearing surface area. So the, the truck should, obviously it's going to, it should perform well driving it. It, it should drive nice. The, the fuel efficiency is probably going to be mediocre. I think you would be very hard pressed. I, I'm thinking uh, to get the seven, maybe you do. Um, I was thinking. Um, but the, the problem I think personally they're going to have here is you're turning all these RPM um, and you are going to have problems maintaining heat in the emission system. And well, most likely have, those uh, are going to have some emission system issues. I have 700 kilometers total on this truck right now. I picked it up yesterday. Okay. And last night it did three rolling regens. That doesn't surprise me because uh, yeah. you, you've got some god-awful piston speed because not only are you running high RPM, but you have that geometry on the crank similar to a Cummins with a very long stroke on the crank and uh, a very short connecting rod. So you have, you have a lot more variation in the piston speed throughout the stroke. So you're going to have very fast acceleration away from top dead center, very slow acceleration to top dead center. And in my opinion, that sucks for emission systems. I, I, my personal belief is you want to keep that acceleration through the stroke as even as possible to give the fuel the best chance to burn and be evacuated hey. from the cylinder. When you start to have variations on each side of the stroke, I, things become difficult, and now you have a high average RPM. I, personally, I'll be shocked if these things are not problematic. Hey, hey, Joel, well, that, was, that, that, the, uh, ratio. Hold, hold, that was all really we, good we advice, but I, I'm, I'm a little shocked that you just told this guy he's got a short connecting rod. That was rude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not touching that. Well, here, let me, let me shock you again. If that was my truck with those specs and the issues you're going to have, call Bruce and get some of his juice because yeah. you're probably going to need it. Uh, you know, well, I, yeah. I, I, we had a, a bunch of 23 packers and they all had injector problems and it, they require injector cleaner. So I plan on calling Bruce to see if I can use catalyst as an injector cleaner or if I need something else because uh, uh, the company will only let us put what the dealer recommends. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not sure exactly when I was down in Florida at the meeting down there and all the PACR people were kind of talking about this injector issue they're having. 
in the corner and, you know, in very low tones. And, you know, from what I could understand is they're still not sure what the source of the problem is. And Cummins picked up on this fairly early on too. And they started recommending, I think they were the first OEM that actually recommended to use power service. And I had heard that PACR was going to go the same way. I thought the reason behind it was, is they were looking for extra lubricity, but maybe not. So you need to find out what the fuel treatment is, the problem it's attempting to solve. And then you could take that to Bruce and then Bruce could probably answer your question, whether the catalyst would work for that in particular or not. Well, on the 23s, they all came with stickers on the dash saying that you have to use injector cleaner for every tank of fuel. But this truck, I read the owner's manual, and there's no stickers anywhere. It doesn't say anything in the owner's manual. Although it says that they are uh, doing free injector services every 100,000 kilometers for 10 years. (laughs) That's that's a bad sign. (laughs) That's not a good... good, uh, No. And Jesus Christ, think about this. With that rear end ratio, your injectors mechanically, it's it's just working that much more. Oh, yeah. So I... I, Wow. Who the hell spec these? I I don't know, but we also got uh, a bunch of ovals last year with the PCs, and they had uh, 279 rear gears in them. Seventy-nine is definitely Close not ideal, right. but it, 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 it's on the right path. It's definitely better that, than the three ninety. Yes. Uh, yes. So yeah. yeah. Have they had a lot of issues with the emissions on the Volvos? Uh, I'm not too sure. Uh, I drove one for it was sixty thousand kilometers and never had any issues with it. But okay, well, that's, that's uh, I don't know about anyone else. I, you know, I, the the whole PACR thing, I feel bad for them guys over there. It seems like there are two different trains of thought in their engineering department, and they're clashing and colliding. And until they pick a, a way to go, I think they're going to continue to have problems. Are they going to downspeed? Aren't they going to downspeed? Are they going to make their efficiency up just on the small rotating assembly? I, I'm... I'm confused every time I look at that engine. I can't make heads or tails of it. And I'm, I feel fortunate myself that I don't have one. I'm pretty confident if I did, I could play with it long enough and probably figure something out. But uh, it ain't going to be cheap and it ain't going to be easy to figure those damn things out. Well, last month I had a 2019 uh, T680 with the MX-13 that I was driving. And I figured out a trick to get the Jake brakes to really work strong on that truck. Okay. With uh, 600,000 uh, miles on it, you just have to put a rod through the side of the block, and the jakes work really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, I, can, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. A rod through the side of the block. And, and somehow that doesn't surprise me either. I mean, uh, that'll slow when, it you down. Look, when you look at the rotating assembly, and I know I'm picking on this engine, but I, I mean, I'm not blind, and I I see what I'm looking at. Right. It, it looks like it comes out of a straight six Chevy, like a 292. <laughs> it's an itty bitty little crankshaft. It, it just is, and I get it that that's very efficient. But you're not going to spin that at low RPM, and right. that's probably why they went to the 390s because they were they were probably worried about dragging it down like that. 
Is it capable of running at low RPMs? Yes, that engine is. They will tell you it can run at 850 RPM for short periods of time. They, I don't believe they want you running that engine at 850 RPM all day long. Right. Well, you know, on my... Uh, on my tachometer, the, the sweet spot is indicated from about 950 to 1300, but it never sees that RPM range. So, <laughs> wonderful. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Now, it, they, they are right in a downsped application, 950 to 13. And with that engine, probably 1100 would be a very reasonable, safe operating zone for that engine just based on the, the crankshaft and the connecting rods. And I know I'm going to get a lot of haters. Oh, but they use special alloys and stuff, special exotic alloys and that type of stuff that, that does not make up for, you know, basic design principle. And in a crankshaft, journal overlap it kind of dictates how stiff that crankshaft is going to be, regardless of what it's made out of. It doesn't make that much difference. And right. that crankshaft is just a... A wimpy ass crankshaft. Are you saying physics matter? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> well, on on the bright side with this new truck, Dad, the the um, intelligence to put the EAPUs on them, so they don't have to idle as much as the old ones did. But that, that's about the old thing we did, right? Degree, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Three nineties. And well, and and again, in the pack R, it is a little more comfortable at higher RPMs than everybody else. I will give them that. There's no doubt about it. It it can operate efficiently at at a little higher RPM, but 390 seems a little out there to me, but I'm not a pack R guy. So I guess I, I know I'm going to get a lot of hate over this. The truth hurts sometimes. Uh, You have that. Hey, well, uh, I will uh, keep track of this motor and fuel mileage, and uh, I'll check in with you guys. But uh, I'm going to let you go, so have a good day, and uh, talk to you later. All right. Sounds good. Hey, here's good a uh, here's an interesting uh, little headline I just read, article. Uh, Seattle-based digital freight brokerage Convoy, Inc., facing challenges from a downturn in the U.S. truckload market and amid amid dwindling valuations, has hired Goldman Sachs to explore potential strategic decisions that might include a sale, merger, or significant investment. Who was it again? Convoy. Convoy. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's big. Convoy has very, very, very deep pockets. So, yep. so, Kevin, who's screwing the brokers? I, I, just, I don't know. I thought they were controlling the market. I thought they were setting the rates. Uh, yeah, I love how a an entity that has absolutely no physical ownership of any of the stuff being shipped, they're controlling the market, right? Right. Yeah. How, how could that be? It, it, yeah. It, it, they're... They're, oh, they're off. I mean, th- think about this. I've been there several times. Their office is in downtown Seattle. Yeah. That, how many trucking companies or brokerages <laughs> yeah. do you know that rent really expensive downtown real estate? Why? Yeah, no. I, but but they're, they're well, a tech company. Are you company. saying they were not operating they're, efficiently enough? You know, their mindset is they're a tech company, not a trucking company or a brokerage. And tech companies, you know, flashy buildings and all that stuff. Sure. Sure. You 
know, when, 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 interesting. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, that's pretty telling. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so they're running a large car building. Yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> Careful, Henry. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get some hate here, too. <laughs> uh, Which are uh, really nice. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's go to Georgia. Scott, what's on your mind today? Hey, Kevin. Oh, I listened to the X Spaces on Monday. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, Did that get a little I crazy made or what? It through. Well, by the time it was over with, I thought everybody was going to be in church on Sunday as much as Jesus was mentioned in it. I, like I said, at, at one point, I was pretty sure Jesus Christ was running the space. Because <laughs> that's all I ever heard. Let, let, so, hold on, hold on. Uh, I let have me, two things let, I want to ask you about. Let, let me sum up Monday, and I, I, I do like to warn, because I usually don't drop F-bombs and that kind of stuff, so I like to warn people, if the kids are listening, plug their ears, turn on your radio, I'll give you 10 seconds here, because I'm going to drop one. Um, just because I want to kind of explain what the space sounded like most of the time. All right. <laughs> Hopefully you've turned the music down or the sound down and you covered their ears because here's what it was. Um, Jesus Christ, for fuck's sake. I mean, it was just that over and over and over. And I'm like, oh, my, what is going on here? Uh. Wow. Uh, I think we missed, missed the party, man. You can still go listen. It's on the app. Yeah, everything's there. If you, if you need yeah, some may, entertainment. I may have to do that now. Yeah, if you need some entertainment later today, go turn that one on. It was Monday's show, Monday Space. Gotcha. Uh, which I, I would like to tell you, I'm not glad that your contract got canceled, but I extremely enjoyed this format. Very much more than it was before. I do too. <laughs> I like this so much better. Um, was it Wednesday? I think. Um, I if I think I ended up doing like seven hours with one break on Wednesday. Wow! I did the full three wow, hours nice. of the live show. We took a fifteen-minute break, started a space, and I think my space went three hours and forty-two minutes. You you were wow. almost up to your half hour mandatory. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. My ELD was yelling at me. <laughs> that, that's where all the, I haven't heard that blame for everything in a while. Yeah, we we've moved on. Uh, yeah, that's who shoot. got the brokers. Yeah, that 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 whole yeah. ELD thing is is just so 2018. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Well, Kevin, I wanted to mention to you, uh, and if y'all said it, I didn't hear it, uh, that I thought was really interesting. If I understood right, they were wanting to cap it at like 10% for a broker profit. Yeah. A broker, brokers, <laughs> yeah. what they could make. I, I can't believe that whole concept just doesn't it, go I away. Didn't. It's so un-American. Well, what I didn't hear you ask them was if they were the ones that were doing the complaining and wanting to know if we could do that, if they were willing to limit their revenue to 10%. No, that's different. Uh, that's what I was going to say. That should work both ways, right? right? You know, I, didn't, I didn't get into business just to make 10%. Well, here's what I'll tell you. Um, I've been debating this issue for so long that there are some things that, for whatever reason, land like a dead cat. And that's one of them. You can say that till you are blue in the face and they just don't even respond to it. 
It's like they just act like well, you, you know didn't why say anything, is, and then they just go on with some other excuse again. You, you know exactly why that is, because the majority of people don't know their numbers anyway, so it doesn't mean anything to That's them. a good point, right. It, they when don't you tell, understand the when concept. When you tell most of these guys, well, I'm going to cap your earnings at 10%, and they don't push back on that, right? They have they, no clue where they're they, at. <laughs> right. They don't, they don't know even know what percent of theirs would be. They don't even understand <laughs> exactly. what the concept is. So why would it pay them? 10% of what? Yeah, so what would, right, what? right away, <laughs> yes. Right away, you know that there's no point even having the discussion and wasting your time talking to them because they're clueless. Right. Absolutely clueless. How could you just reach out of the air and pull some arbitrary number like 10% for that broker? They're not brokers. They don't understand the business. They're truck drivers and owner operators, but somehow magically they know 10% would be a good number. <laughs> That's just dumb. And look, I don't care what number you want to put on this. The number is not important. What I try to keep right in front of no. everybody is, do you really, do you, I want you to think hard about this. Do you want bureaucrats telling any business in this country, how much they can profit. Absolutely not. I don't care what the number is. That, that isn't even the important not. part about this. How, how, oh how in the world are you entertaining the idea that you would let some unelected bureaucrat decide how much anybody's business is allowed to profit? And you better be careful well, and, and because if they argue. can cap them, then they can cap anybody. Exactly. And, Taking that same argument, they always use it on oil companies that they're making too much money, but yet they go out and buy vehicles that burn more fuel, which makes no sense to me. <laughs> oh, oh, if you think they're making too much money, use less of their product. No, no. So here's, here's we, we, my, we can't look cool like here's that. Here's how I kind of I think about this is most brokers are doing stuff that I either can't do or I don't want to do or I don't have time to do. Right. And – Honestly, if they're making 40 or 50 percent, I, I honestly, I do not care I know. as long as that I, rate works <laughs> for my business. In fact, I'm happy if they're making money. Yes, I, I because, am because then I know they're going to be there. Exactly. They're going to be stable. I can work with this person. They're not going out of business. That's and I right. don't have to look for new people to form relationships with. So for them to have a very strong, healthy business with an excellent bottom line is a damn good thing. And if they're making 30 or 40% more power to them. Hey, we're, uh, we're going to grab some calls because we need to clear a couple calls here. Uh, and then we're going to head over to Twitter at some point. You guys going to come over? I'll, I'll warn you. Um, Twitter will probably be uh, just a total circus today. Um, it could be more of this kind of debating stuff. Uh, hell, I could decide we're going to talk about finger painting today. I don't know. It's Friday. So things could just get weird. But uh, if you guys want to come over, it might be fun. I haven't finger painted in a while. <laughs> uh, I know that I've got stuff that i got to take care of, but um, I wish I could make it this time around. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. Um Oh, here was another one. Thank I, I just, yeah, go ahead. I was just wondering during the Monday show, all of those that were complaining when when rates were really good, did they tell the broker it doesn't cost me that much? I don't really need that much. Right, my expenses right. are low enough. That they didn't. They took yeah. everything when so, it was high, and now we <laughs> complain when it's low. 
Everybody that advocates for brokers with a 10% cap should voluntarily cap their own earnings. So when they call on a load, if they're going to make more than 10%, they should voluntarily say to the broker, please, no, I don't right. want to make this much money. Cap me at 10%. And that exactly. number is this. That's, that's all I need. And I want to be it's fair. Incredible. And you, yes, you can keep the rest. The argument's hey, just, just, you know, it ain't, it ain't some dumb, it's plum dumb. You know, I, I'm and, and, then, and then the broker can call the shipper and give them back. And, and then the yeah, shipper exactly. can give right. back to the consumer. And, and, and that's right. Yeah, we they're... all benefit. <laughs> we, uh, we, we, we could be the heroes. We could drive inflation down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we sure could, couldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the person that's only wanting to work three days a week can come in for six because they don't feel fair being at home. All right, me and Henry are going to get big stickers for our trailers that say "Run legal, run compliant, only ten percent." There you go. I love right? it. I love it. <laughs> be, be, be fair. So here, here's here's the other yeah, one. Be and, fair. Um, be nice and be fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott, I, I think this was on the Monday space. We've had so many of these crazy, controversial spaces lately. It's hard to keep them straight. But the issue came up about collect. So at first it was about transparency and collusion. And then when you nailed them down on these things, like, well, what should the rate be? What about you? All those things you guys just said, we, you try to make those arguments. They just ignore them. They just keep moving on. Then all of a sudden it, it, the a new issue got thrown in there. And the issue was, well, well, if I had something in my contract about getting paid for something and they didn't pay me, that's theft of wages. And I said, yeah, you're right. So do something about it. It happens all the time. To do with what we talked about originally, though. Right, right. That's not what you were talking about. That's not what this was supposed to all be about. But when we shut down every one of your arguments, now all of a sudden it's about not getting paid. Well, of course we could agree to that (laughs) if somebody agreed to pay you and they didn't. That's a breach of contract. Take them to court. Whatever. Sure. So then we're then we're on this, and then it came up. And I think TJ was in there talking about it. TJ's got 80 trucks. He runs a brokerage. He's a distributor. He's got three terminals. He knows all about collections and all that kind of stuff. Um, I run a business. I know about collections and extending credit and, and all that. And I made the statement that there are times where it doesn't even make sense to go after that money. There are just some times where it, it, you will waste more time and more money, and sometimes oh, yeah. you just got to oh, let no things go. And I even gave an example no of myself that I'm dealing with right now and took responsibility for it. I have a vendor that has owed me $30,000 for about three years now, and they won't pay it. And it, it's... It was a whole change of management. They got the company. I had a great relationship with them for years, and I got lazy. We didn't realize it, but at some point, we stopped signing new contracts every year. You know, we had a contract at one point, and everybody knew what it was Mm -hmm. and what was in it, and we may have signed one or two, and then all of a sudden, one year, we just forgot and then never did it again. And it was no big deal. I don't care. I do a lot of business like that. I hate contracts and lawyers and all that other crap. So it was no big deal, except everything changed. And now they owe us this money and I can't prove it. How do I take them to court? I don't even have an invoice. I don't have a contract. I don't have nothing to say they agreed to pay me this in that year. 
So I would be ignorant to try to go collect this. It's my mistake. Like Dave Ramsey says, I'll pay the stupid tax on this one and move on. Mm -hmm. I swear I am not exaggerating. There must have been 30. Yeah, but you don't blame everybody else for it. Well, right. There must have been 30 to 40 posts. Oh, my God. The guru of trucking, the guy that everybody believes is telling everybody, just let people steal from you and don't even bother going after it. And he just hammered this over and over and over and over. Oh, my gosh. Uh, (laughs) Kevin, while you were speaking, I figured out where the root of this whole problem is. What's that? It just dawned on me. It's the consumer because they will always go for the lowest price, just about always. Hey, hey, aren't we all consumers? Well, you know, we got to do away with consumers. There you go. Well, well, we, we should I anyway because we don't need customers. House. No, Kevin. Yeah. I, I had stayed over at house, and I heard him when he woke up in the morning. The first thing he said as a consumer, you know them damn owner-operators? I'm going to go out and buy the cheapest products <laughs> I possibly can today just to put them guys all out of business. That's, that's what he That's yeah, who they'll be yeah. blaming so next, the consumers, right? Henry, yeah, you're you're right. right. You're exactly right. It's the damn consumers, and if yeah. they would spend more on products, then I could drive around a W-9, and I wouldn't have to worry about expenses, and I wouldn't have to worry about fuel mileage. Just buy stuff that costs more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> you hey, got it, the man. market value. <laughs> all right. Yeah, hey, yeah, of course. Hey, hey, guys, all three of us have to start thinking. We have two, two oil samples to wrap up the show here. So, uh, Jason, go ahead. Uh, all righty. Sir. Hello. Yeah, let me take a look at your oil sample here and uh, see what we've got. Oh, come on. There we go. All right, so we're looking at a, oh, it's a Sprinter, 3,500. What do you do with this thing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, expediting. Okay, got Me it. And my wife drive team. Uh, so you've got three, is this right? Uh, 355,000 on it, miles? Yep. And about yep. yep. 13,000 on the soil sample. How, how is it done for you? How's it performed? That's a lot of miles on a Sprinter. Been good. Hasn't put us on the side of the road yet, but I'm worried it's going to start to. <laughs> Is something happening oh, like, that specifically some... that you're concerned about? Or Well, the, the, I've seen the magnesium spike, like, extremely high. Well, let, and... let me, let, hold on. Let me ease your worried mind. Yeah. And uh, I'm just going to say <laughs> this. When you look at an oil sample, an, a, a Polaris like you have here, look at those headings the wear metals really important contaminant metals really important the next two multi-source and additive i have been lobbying for years to get them to just take it off the sample completely not once in 20 years of looking at these oil samples have i ever used those two blocks they're meaningless okay all all it's telling you is your oil had more magnesium than they expected it to, but some oils don't even yeah. have magnesium. Yeah, I, I okay. agree with you, Kevin. Unless you're a tribologist, um, you're probably not going to get a lot of usable information as, you know, me and you and the everyday Joe, they're going to look at that stuff. It, it's not going to mean anything. So I, I wouldn't worry about it either. I, I'm with you on that. That's good to know. 
I've been freaking out over it. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's look at the other stuff because you have virtually zero fuel dilution at 1.5. That is nothing. You have uh, yeah. 0.5 on soot. We're burning things nice and clean. Um, do you use the catalyst? Um, I do use the catalyst, yeah. Okay. And, and the, reason, the reason I ask is because your iron is high, but none of your other wear metals are. So so logically, it's almost yep. always going to be the catalyst in that case. And, and But I ask to make sure. Your wear metals are nice and low. I mean, your lead is at zero. That's almost unheard of. Uh, yeah. It Does anybody know? You know, Sprinter, these engines might be a little more exotic. We don't deal with them all the time. Is anybody making bearings that aren't lead and copper? I think I remember hearing something about some. Yeah, Freightliner does, is, has a composite bearing. I think on the new Volvo, they went to a composite bearing as well. I thought I remembered hearing about that. When I, I see... And I, I think that's, that's part of the newer formulation of oils, why they're not back paddable, I think. It has to do with being compatible with the the newer bearings, but I'm, that, I'm not 100% sure on that. That could be, but when I saw every oil sample on here was zero on lead, it's kind of an indication you don't have lead bearings then. I mean, we never see zero. You see low numbers, but there's always right. some lead in there. Yeah. So when I saw zero, I'm like, hmm, maybe. So this, we're just not even going to look for that kind of stuff on bearings. Your silicon is at four. Hardly ever see it that low on anything. It means you really got a nice clean intake system. Uh, your viscosity is right where it should be. Your base is holding up just fine for this many miles on the oil. There's just really nothing to talk about here. That that's a lot of miles on that little engine, and it's really holding up well. Yes. So so the oxidation things, those numbers, even though they have it in the red, it's not that bad? Uh, you know, the, I, I've never seen oil become so oxidized that we had to actually change it. We watch oxidation yeah. more of as a warning of other things. And yeah, you had two samples there with some high oxidation, and then you had two samples with almost nothing. My guess is if we could remember back during that time, I'll bet there was a time during those oil samples that this engine got hot. It it is, yeah, um, I, I, I changed my EGR after changing the replacing the EGR is when it dropped back down. Okay. So, see, isn't it pretty crazy by uh, just looking at an oil sample and even going back months and months, I was still able to predict what happened. Oil samples yeah, are pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah, that's why I do them. Uh, and I thank you for recommending them, man, because, yeah. It's just a, it's just know, a nice piece of mind. About them too. Yeah, good. Those, yeah. those two yeah. blocks you talked about, Kevin, with the magnesium, yeah. they've uh, the oil companies were more transparent in what they put in the oil. <laughs> you could deal with that. Yeah, yeah if they told you exactly how right. they pour like, Right. We need to know, you damn it. buy everything, how much they pay for it. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah, we need to know, damn it. So, Jason, this is, fact, everything looks good. Even, why do we even patent anything? Right. Okay. Awesome. Right. We should we should all just awesome. be like Elon Musk and make everything we do open source and just share it with everybody. 
Yeah, we should abolish the patent department. That's right. We really should, because that's, that's right. just hiding secrets, and that, Spe- that should not be allowed. Speaking of the patent department, <laughs> did you ever read the story? I've never really checked to verify that, that this is true, and a lot of things that go around like this turn out to be not true. Here's one. Here's one we say all the time, and it's, it, it's really not true. You know how they always tell us um, if you put a frog in room temperature water and then turn on the heat and bring it to boiling, he'll just sit there? That's not true. And we've been saying it forever. Everybody, I've heard that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, I've it, heard that. it's a good analogy and it makes a point, but it's true. It's not true. It's just false. So. <laughs> well, it, it depends, Kevin, if you put a lid on the pot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll just stay right in there. <laughs> so now I forgot. What was the other point I was going to make about that? I was making an analogy. We say things all the time, but they might not necessarily be true. But now I forgot what I was talking about. It must be Friday. That happens to me on Friday. Well, who's going who's gonna to get in the, the, the deal with Swamp Poly Orange? With what? The, the color paint that yellow freight trucks were. They oh. used that color. It was Swamp Poly Orange. Ay, <laughs> ay, <laughs> uh, oh, no, never mind. I'm just going to take this other call. We've got another oil sample. Let's go to North Carolina. Stephen, welcome. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. What can I help you with today? Yeah, oil sample is in front of you. All right, I do have it here. Let me take a look and see what we've got going on. Uh, so we're looking at a uh, D13. What year is it? 2014. 2014, all right. Uh, 728,000 miles on the engine, about 31,000 on this oil. Doesn't look like you're adding any makeup oil. Are you running the catalyst? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Perfect. So we've got that. And the, are you, so your iron makes sense. Here's another zero on lead. Um, so nothing there with the bearings. Your silicon is just fine at seven. They flagged a little bit of potassium, but there's no sodium, so we can just ignore that. The biggest thing I see, and this is also maybe a clue, and Joel, you might be able to help us with this one. Um, it looks like this engine goes through a lot of base. And when that's the case, it, it, I always start thinking of some compromised uh, combustion. It sounds like they probably, if it hasn't had the overhead run, run it. And if they have run the overhead they probably didn't do the exhaust plungers when they ran it. That's, that would be my guess. When we see engines the same way that eat a lot of base like that, it's generally we've got an overhead issue that we want to address. And all too often when guys run the overhead, they're not uh, adjusting the exhaust plungers on those engines correctly. The other thing that you may want to pay attention to is the overflow check valve in the head. We have to hold a certain fuel pressure in the galley. It's kind of like a common rail, but they call it a galley before the unit injectors. And we want to see right around 50 pounds of pressure in that galley in order for the unit injectors to fire right. So the combination of those two things, that could possibly be why you're you're eating up base like that. There might be something else that we could check here. I'm looking at the history, your last three samples. And if I go back, your viscosity would be, was 11.1, 1, 
which tells me you were probably running the the best oil. Then it went to 12.8, which eh, it's up a little bit, but you might still be running the right oil. Now we're at 13.3. Have you been changing oil brands? No. uh, The manual says it's going to be like uh, 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 14 oil oil, but I put uh, the one that's not recommended, T4. Oh yeah. So you so you didn't change brands, but you did change viscosity. You went from what you yeah. should be running. Joel, jump in here. It's two twenty fourteen, but I, I would certainly be trying a five W thirty synthetic. You can. What we found the best balance in those engines was a ten thirty semi synthetic. Okay. The five thirties did give you a small amount of advantage and starting in the cold, very, very small increase in fuel efficiency, and it didn't offset the cost. Um, so what we had found in that, you know, 2011 to 2017 range, just before they went to the, uh, the common rail is a, a 1030 semi-synthetic. And I don't care what brand it is, as right. long as it meets the VDS 4.5 spec, they seem to give you the best balance of, of fuel efficiency and and their price and and drain intervals. Um, that that's what I would be running in that engine. Yeah, and that that's may may be having an impact on the base because those oils are different formulations. All right. So, uh, what, where is the thing coming from? Because they flagged the thing too at six. Yeah, the reason they flagged ten at six is because we're talking about parts per million, and you don't get a lot of tin. So anytime there's some tin, uh, it'll usually get flagged. I'm not too concerned about it. Your aluminum is at ten, Joel. I'm assuming again on these engines, aluminum, tin, more upper cylinder stuff. Yeah, definitely. Did his copper levels change and uh, viscosity changed on the oil? Uh, no, they've been really oh. consistent. Two, three, and two. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. No, that that's good. I, the, the chemistry in the oil must have been the same. It must have been just the viscosity change. So I don't think that the viscosity change is probably really impacting the base. I, he probably still has an overhead. And because that is upper cylinder stuff, I'll bet you that that, that tin and aluminum is probably an indication that those exhaust plungers are probably not right along with the base. There you go. I, I yeah. would, if you haven't had an overhead done, I would no, definitely I did, get it in. I did overhead by one of your guys in half oil North Carolina in February this year. So he did overhead for me and sent the plungers and all of those stuff in February. So now I have about 60,000 miles on the overhead. Did, so when they done the when they done the overhead, did did he do the exhaust plungers and and uh, lock tight them like you're supposed to do per the service bulletin? Yes, yeah, he did all. Those. Okay, okay, just just wanted to make sure that that was done because a lot of guys do not do that, and so you want yeah. to make sure that that was done. The other thing that you may want to pay real close attention to if he didn't do it when they do the overhead, when you do the next one is unscrew the crank position sensor right there on the, the top of the bell housing, pull it out. You're going to find metal shaving buildup on that and wipe that off because when you get that buildup and that buildup is natural and it's normal, when you clean that crank position sensor off, 
The engine can see top dead center a little easier, and this is especially important as we get into the cold weather. So that, that crank position sensor, you're going to want to get cleaned off, and that can also cause some issues with combustion if the engine, especially in the cold, cannot see top dead center the way it do. So it's important to clean that crank position sensor off and um, make sure that you have the correct pressure in the galley. Not many people change that overflow valve. Personally, I would change it every year. They're cheap and it's easy to do. Those two things can make a big difference in the combustion. And that probably has something to do with why your base is, is the way it is. The aluminum and what else did you say it was, Kevin? Aluminum and... Tin. Was it magnesium? Tin. Tin. Yeah. Yeah, that that may be related to those lungers possibly. So... Um, I guess resample it and uh, we'll see where it's at if you just had the overhead done recently and kind of go from there. All right. Uh, Kevin, uh, do you suggest I change the oil or just add the base? Because I just bought a base from uh, Peaceful Power yesterday, just trying to see if I can run the oil for more about it, five the, to ten more thousand. The oil's fine. Oil, nothing wrong with the oil at all. Just dump some base in it. Uh, all right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. All right. All right. We're going to wrap this up and we're going to come back with a space at 1030 my time. So that's about 14 minutes. Uh, Joel Henry, you're more than welcome to jump in or jump in and jump out if you can. Um, We see over there. That'd be awesome. Great stuff today. I just had good material today. I enjoyed it. Hey, Kevin, just just real quick before we close up, I, I just wanted to address one thing. Just so aware on Volvo engines, I, I know that a lot of the old school guys, they think it's hard to get tools and tools aren't available to work on these engines. Any tool that you need to work on a Volvo is available in the aftermarket or through the dealer. There are no tools that are not available. I just want everybody to be aware that you buy every single tool you need to overhaul, and they're not unreasonably priced in the aftermarket. They're actually quite reasonable. So just just be aware. Good I, I know. know that you know when Volvo first came into the market, that was true. There was some issues getting tools. That is no longer the case. So people Good. just need to be aware of that. Good to know. All right, Henry, you got anything to close? No, be over there on the spaces, at least for a little while. Yeah, you know, I may open on spaces with this. I think I'm going to do it here, though, real quick, too. You know, I, I keep saying this um, this broker transparency issue is it, it is it really be careful what you wish for. Transparency is not a good thing in a market like this. I don't want transparency of rates. To me, transparency of rates is always a race to the bottom. All it does is is give everybody who wants to cut a rate the exact price they need to cut it and you just end up at the bottom like that. I, I agree. So I, I'm, I'm dealing with something because one of the arguments I've heard about, you know, well, that we should know how much the broker makes and they want to use real estate as an example. Well, you always know exactly what your real estate broker is charging you. Well, right. But let's talk about some of the differences there too. Does the real estate broker go out and buy a house and then try to resell it to you, hoping they make a profit and have all that money at risk while they're trying to sell it. Probably sometimes. Well, no, then they'd be acting as an investor. 
They'd be acting as a real estate investor. Right. My real estate broker, the guy working for me, the buyer or seller, is never, ever going to buy the house and then resell it to me. He wouldn't be a broker if he did that. Not in real estate. He'd be an investor. Yeah, I guess so. But don't yep. don't freight brokers have to do that and take all of that financial risk on every single load? Uh, I, yeah, I I agree. So there's a and one they thing don't I, even I know how they don't even know how much the trucking company's making on the load. Yeah, that, so when they say, <laughs> but you know, we know exactly what we're paying that broker, right? But that's a whole different transaction. Here's something else because I'm dealing with this right now. I'm trying to buy a piece of property. That's a pretty expensive piece of property. So I, I want to be really careful and do this right. There, it, we've dealt with this a couple times in the past. In, in some of these real estate markets, the, the minute something got listed here in the gorge, there were multiple offers before the end of the day. Now, am I allowed to know what any of those offers are? So, Kevin, yeah. this is your analogy to me is, is, I think, slightly backwards. And correct me if I'm wrong. So when you use the analogy of a real estate broker and you're dealing with a broker to sell your house, you know everything that's going on. So in that instance, you're more like the shipper, oh, yeah, not you're the right. trucker. The yeah, trucker is yeah, like the person it. buying the house. And right. do they know any of that information? Absolutely not. Correct. It's none of their business. Right. Well, no, yeah. see, I, so, you are so, correct, but I will say this. The buyer usually does know the percentages as well that, that are going to the broker. But they don't know anything else. They, but they do in real estate. Gotcha. We will know the the selling agent is getting three percent, and the buyer's agent's getting two point five, or or whatever. That is disclosed. But my okay. my point okay. is that right. the difference here is that they have no financial liability whatsoever. They can't lose money ever. A broker never loses money on a house because they don't have any money invested in the house. Gotcha. But, yeah, but this, gotcha. this idea of these, something like that. Of when you get into these multiple offers, I, I would love to know what all the offers are, because what would I do once I knew that information? Once I knew what the highest offer was and I knew exactly what it was. Now, this is almost backwards, but it's the same concept. I'm going to go $100 over the highest offer. Sure. Because I want the property. And if I knew, but if I don't know what it is, hell, the best offer on the table might be $80,000 under the listed price. But I don't know that. Sure. And nobody wants me right. to know that. Right. Right. That, that's not no. fair. <laughs> so, what, well, here's, I think, I think maybe to kind of summarize the whole thing in, in this debate that they're having, I think what people are kind of arguing for is entitlement more than anything else. When you really sit and think about this, you know, they, you're, you're some, sometimes they call it, there. yeah, they, well, think about it. They call it, Oh, it's driver's rights or, you know, it's this or it's that. What they're really saying is, uh, you know, we're entitled to this. We don't, we don't want to have to run a business. We don't want to have to do the things that all other businesses do. <laughs> we, we feel that we're entitled to this. And, and I think that honestly, though, no, that's you're right. What I, I'm laughing because I the, couldn't agree the, with the you feeling, more. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. 
that feeling from this, I've never, ever, ever somebody's earnings or wages were tapped. Why? Why? <laughs> you know, I, well, why, why let, should I wish a whole bunch of different rules let, on somebody else? And I've said this a million times. I'll say it again. As long as the rate works for my business, the more money a broker so, can make, more power to them. So, because if the broker's for, not making that money, then the manufacturer or somebody else is. So right. what's the next step after you right. crush the broker? <laughs> then we go after them. That damn manufacturer's making too much money on those widgets. That's, I told you. This, so, it's, 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 this it's will not end. They're not... The consumer is right. not willing to pay right. enough. That's, that's exactly right. That's where this is going to end up. Yeah. And it, it makes absolutely yeah. no sense at all. And and I will tell you, Fred, who's a regular caller, probably coaches all, almost every day most of the time, always got good stuff to add. Fred kept like trying to lock one of these guys down with that question. He tried so hard. He would say, look, stop. Don't Don't go off on another tangent. Just answer me this. If you look at the rate, and you are happy with it, how can you be being taken advantage of? And I'm paraphrasing, but that the point he was trying to make, we all get it. We all ask it. He tried so hard, mm -hmm. and they just would not answer that question, wouldn't address it, just go off on other tangents. It's, it's very almost communistic, the mindset. Uh, it I mean, is. It, it is. It absolutely is. You are. You take it. Yeah, I mean, it's like Stalin sitting in his chair saying, you're a freight broker, you're yep. only going to make 10%. You're a truck driver, you're going to yep. make 9.5%. <laughs> you're a manufacturer, you're going to make 6%. That's the way it is, and end of discussion. Yeah. Who the hell wants to live like whoa, that? Whoa. And we're going to put, a, oh, uh, yeah, and then we're going to put a tax on it, and the consumer's going to pay this. <laughs> yeah. All right. Jesus. So we'll... uh We'll continue that on spaces or anything else anybody wants to talk about. We're going to get out of here. So thanks, guys. Great stuff. We'll do it again next week. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.